Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to FX Moment, which is part of our FIC Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I'm the Chief GTN FX Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I'm joined by Jeremy Stretch, who is Chief International Strategist at CIBC World Markets. So today we're talking US dollar, of course, and we will also touch on the Canadian dollar. Uh, and let's let's start with the US dollar. I mean, we we had yet another roller coaster of a week uh, on the dollar, really, since the October employment report that we had um, la- last week, and that actually the softening in the US data finally gave a bit of a of a trigger for the dollar bearish view. Uh, and and you know we had quite a big move on, on the day, um, but then since then we we've had um, kind of question marks about how sustainable that move can be, just in the context of the Fed reiterating the high for long uh, interest rate message. Uh, that's kind of questioning um, the dollar negative uh, view going forward. So I suspect, you know, what we saw last week is is a very good and very relevant um, questions about, you know, how we should contemplate the outlook for next year for the dollar. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. And, you know, let's start with your take on, on the recent news flow out of the US on the price action. And what do you think that tells us for the outlook for next year for the dollar? Uh, well, hi, Audrey, and thank you very much for the, the invitation to join you on this on this event. Um, I think from a, the price action, I think it is very evident that uh, markets were very mindful of uh, uh, the prospect of some degree of uh, easing in terms of the macro data. We ha- have been long anticipating some degree of moderation in the employment backdrop, and uh, clearly the market was uh, very keen to try and embrace that. But I think the point that I would sort of uh, take on board is the fact that the Fed are still maintaining that uh, higher for longer narrative. I think the US can and will be able to withstand that uh, monetary policy restriction far better than most other jurisdictions. And I think in the context of the employment moderation, I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that still the US economy is performing at a reasonably elevated level and will continue to do so over the course of uh, the upcoming uh, months, even if we are going to see a deceleration in the Q4 narrative. And I think that still leaves us mindful that the market could be a little bit too sanguine about the risks of one final Fed hike in this cycle. And I think if we do see a degree of repricing of that, obviously we've seen a subtle uh, uptick in terms of pricing, in terms of uh, rate rate expectations after Powell's recent uh, IMF panel appearance. But if we do see a subtle uh, uptick in terms of that market pricing for the Fed, then I think that will keep the dollar relatively well supported, not only through year end, but probably into Q1 next year. So I think only once we're definitively confident that the uh, Fed have finished tightening, will we start to row back in terms of uh, maintaining a broadly resilient and uh, topside bias as far as the US dollar is concerned. Yeah, I think, you know, it's actually quite interesting because 
it's not the first time this happens this year that the market wants to believe in the you know weaker uh, yield story for the US and and a more dovish fed going forward the fed keeps on telling us that you know they're going to stand to high for long policy messaging and that's why i think you know in, in the foreign exchange markets um, the conviction is not you know, is not very strong conviction on views because we move from one narrative to the other and given the news flow that we actually had out of europe and you know the macro environment in europe and and as you say you know if if we make a comparison with what we have in the us i kind of feel the euro should be kind of weaker and it it, it isn't so you know what what what's what's your take on that i i just feel that the market is just for now ignoring the, the euro part of the euro dollar story I think that's I think there's certainly some value in in that sort of presumption. I think we have seen an obvious fixation with the dollar leg of all the currency pairs, and I think that has caused uh, some degree of uncertainty because, as you say, people have been uh, looking to try and fade that dollar rally for some time. I think in terms of the euro dollar story, I, I agree that I think we are and should see um, a further move lower, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a retreat back towards us the 102, 103 area before we find a definitive base in euro dollar. But I think what the market has has done is it's perhaps started to look through some of that uh, macroeconomic weakness uh, that is uh, clearly evident in the eurozone and it seems to be the case that uh, weaker data has a less uh, significant reaction function uh, over the course of recent weeks and that seems to be an indicative of market already the market already assuming that there is going to be a weaker uh, backdrop and I think it's only going to be probably in the next uh, six months or so that we do start to see some slightly firmer and more uh, robust fundamentals starting to come through. That At that time frame, we would expect a slightly more resilient uh, China recovery narrative to also start to play into uh, the Eurozone sphere. So I think it is a case that markets have downplayed or have uh, increasingly discounted macroeconomic negativity, but I think there is still scope for a further uh, retreat and uh, and or a lower base in the euro before we start to find some degree of resilience, which will only start to come, as I say, probably in the sort of six month time horizon. So I think as we move through Q2, that might be the time when we start to see slightly better fortunes uh, starting to uh, be uh, relevant as far as the euro dollar dynamic play out. Yeah, that, it's tricky. I, I feel that, you know, it's a very much of a patience trade and patience view. And it's also a question of trying to gauge what's priced in and what is the market um, going to look in terms of, of new drivers into the new year. And for now, to me, it feels anyway that the US part of the narrative is the one who's, uh, that's going to get most attention for the time being. So we, we touch, you, you touch on that already, but if you think about the outlook for 2024, um, you know, this year it was very much in terms of drivers. This year was very much about rate, rates and Fed policy or central bank policy, uh, inflation. Geopolitics was actually less of a driver this year than it was last year. What do you think we should be looking at for our outlook for 2024? Well, you're absolutely right. I think geopolitics is an interesting uh, dynamic because uh, that's uh, something that we often uh, poll some of our investors uh, regarding the sort of the risk criteria in terms of the importance of those. Uh, and clearly, Fed policy and inflation have been the preeminent risk, certainly from our investor base in the FX sphere. But if you look at some of the other market components, if you're looking more on the fixed income side or particularly uh, for those in terms of longer term investors in terms of uh, maybe the pension space, they focused a little bit more on geopolitical 
geopolitical risk as uh, being integral to their policy decisions. And I think those geopolitical risks, I think, will be becoming a little more relevant in the context of the year ahead, or more importantly, the political angle of that geopolitics. Because, of course, uh, we do have the small matter of the US election, which is now just under 52 weeks away, November the 5th. Uh, 2024. So I think that is going to become increasingly relevant uh, to the policy uh, perspective. And I think the other issue that it, I think is still relevant is that we, we, we've been focusing very much this year in terms of policy tightening being led by the Fed and the follow through into other central banks. We're now getting to that scenario of uh, assuming and anticipating what the reversal process will be in terms of um, uh, an unwind in terms of that uh, conventional monetary policy tightening. At the same time as we're still looking at the uh, balance sheet uh, consolidation, and I think that's another variable which I think is going to be difficult for the market to uh, necessarily get its uh, get its head around as we uh, continue to look at those unconventional policy dynamics via balance sheet adjustment. Yeah, I mean that's a very you made several good points here, but I agree. U.S. the U.S. elections unbelievable. Nobody's talking talking about it, and and yet it's looming and it's potentially quite a big change in uh, prospect uh, on, on the US electoral front. But I suppose with the pri once the primaries get started early next year, we'll start to talk more about it. And the other thing is the balance sheet for the central banking uh, community. Again, something probably that uh, we haven't paid much attention in, in FX, and you're right, uh, some of the other asset classes have been uh, more uh, wary about, about the outlook on that front. Um, so let's let's move on to the Canadian dollar. Um, uh, one one of the views that I've kind of been engaging with is, um, you know, as a way to kind of avoid the, the near term kind of Fed related uncertainties as to where we go, how long we stay high for long, when is the Fed going to kind of soften its its tone on interest rates. All these kind of um, you know mixed drivers that the market is uh, is having a little bit of a headache on, uh, and and hence containing any dollar downside for now. I kind of thought you know euro CAD upside in, instead of euro dollar upside could could be interesting, uh, and it has been it has had a good run, and one forty eight on euro CAD seemed to be looming. Um, but I just want to know, you know, what is your view on, on the Canadian dollar looking forward in terms of the macro context, the central bank and the currency, both against the dollar, the US dollar <clears throat> and against the euro? Well, I think I, I think Canada is interesting because it's, uh, what we've seen from uh, certainly our analysis, it's been suggesting or is implied that uh, domestic factors, I think, are becoming much more relevant in terms of the performance uh, dynamics for uh, the Canadian dollar. And that, of course, reflects back in terms of what's happening on the policy perspective from the Bank of Canada, but also more importantly, the flow through of that uh, tightening of policy that we've seen uh, previously, how that reacts and reflects in terms of the consumer sector and particularly the mortgage market, because, of course, Canadian household debt does remain at very elevated levels to uh, disposable income. Uh, it's near 190 percent of, uh, of disposable income in terms of household debt, according to OECD data. So the higher for longer narrative from the Bank of Canada is going to have an impact on consumers and their ability to spend through the course of next year as mortgages continue to reset. 
So that leaves us with the bias that we would expect the Canadian dollar to continue to cheapen up a little bit uh, against its U.S. counterpart, because clearly um, we don't expect the, um, um, the the Fed to be adjusting policy before the Bank of Canada. Indeed, we expect um, not only an earlier move from the Bank of Canada, but more aggressive policy easing through the course of 2024. And I think in that context, that plays into the narrative of the Canadian dollar continuing to cheapen up, certainly over the course of the next couple of quarters. So we'd be looking for you know, a, a peak up towards the sort of 142 area into uh, 2024 in the early, early part of next year. So it's very much a case of continued cheapening up against the US, at least in the nearer term. Over the slightly longer term, we would probably start to see a little bit of a correction, but that's more about the US dollar side of the equation rather than necessarily being overtly bullish on um, um, on the CAD itself. Um, and I think against the euro, we, we are expecting uh, a graduated uptick over the course of the next 12 months. So, you know, we, we would be looking for, you know, getting back to that uh, 150 threshold over the course of the next 12 months. But it's, it is it is the case that, yes, you want to perhaps take uh, the US dollar out of uh, some of the uh, some of the analysis in terms of trying to find uh, profitable trades for 2024 because of the uh, dollar related uncertainty. Um, we are expecting, as I say, the, the sort of a graduated uh, sort of uptrend over the course of the year, but it isn't going to be a particularly powerful one. I think it is going to be the case that uh, the euro and or the CAD in the second half of next year are probably going to be uh, progressively making and regaining impetus. But that's as much as, a, as I say, as a, as a consequence of uh, some degree of moderation on the US uh, side of the equation, as it is in terms of any overt uh, desire to be um, uh, piling back into euros and Canadian dollars. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Jeremy. So one last question, just uh, following up on what you're saying on, on the uh, on the Bank of Canada in particular, which I find quite interesting about the pace of potential easing. Um, and if we compare it uh, to uh, other commodity effects, and in particular, I'm thinking about the Australian dollar, given that the Australian dollar has been such an underperformer, the but I, I kind of feel that the, the narrative uh, may be improving, uh, you know, going forward, both so much bad news being priced in and uh, at least some kind of stabilization from China and potential improvement into year-end seasonal improvement, plus the domestic context that could be um, getting slightly more supportive from, from Australia. Um, so I suspect you, you following up on what you say, Aussie upside could also be quite an interesting view to have, um, you know, going forward. What, what, what's your thinking on that one? Yes, I, I'd be inclined to agree with that. I think a lot of negativity has, has been priced into uh, Australia. We've seen obviously significant degrees of uh, real money shorts being parked in, in the market over a course of a very protracted period. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of negativity vis-a-vis -vis the China story, which is reflected in terms of the liquidity of the Australian dollar. And I think some of that negativity is uh, somewhat overstated. Um, I think there will be a graduated recovery in terms of the China narrative through the course of 2024. Now, it may be the case that we have to wait for perhaps the second quarter onwards to see that significantly reflected in terms of the data. But I think uh, that narrative will be somewhat more supportive. And I think that will provide uh, a degree of tailwind uh, for the Australian narrative. 
I guess the one sort of caveat to uh, to the, the Australian story is, of course, much uh, much akin to that in Canada, where you do have a, a very heavily leveraged consumer sector and or a mortgage market, which is obviously under some degree of stress because of the monetary policy tightening. So I guess the question is, will the labour market be able to withstand uh, some of those uh, broader macro headwinds? I suspect it probably will. So I think the choice it does suggest that if you're reasonably and cautiously optimistic on China, as we are over the medium run, that provides a more constructive backdrop for Australia relative um, uh, to uh, to Canada. So I think that does uh, play into buying any Aussie CAD dips over time, ultimately to, uh, to benefit and to profit from that presumption that uh, the China recovery narrative will come through next year and or the Bank of Canada will be a little bit more aggressive in terms of, uh, of policy easing. So you know, we've got 150 basis points of easing from the Bank of Canada priced in for next year. So that that is a pretty aggressive uh, threshold. And if that is the case, then I think that should uh, provide some support for Aussie CAD as well. Yeah, certainly. And certainly um, uh, would reinforce the view uh, and the more uh, positive outlook for the euro as well, this improvement uh, in China. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Jeremy. Thank you for sharing your insights and for joining the podcast today. This concludes our FX Moment podcast. If you want to follow up on anything that we discussed today, please reach out on the terminal. Um, I hope you found the podcast interesting. And until next time, thank you and goodbye. Bye.